Prepare to enter the Elf Tree. Hi there, world. Hi there, everybody. I'm Ian. And my name is Joe. <coughs> if you don't know my name by now, we need to sit down and have a talk. We need to question why you're listening to this show. Who do you think we are? Joel Sturgis and Eric Olson. Who do you think we are? Joel Osteen, here to talk about the Joel Christ. Osteen and Eric Cartman. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Cartman, dude. <laughs> now imagine that show. Imagine a podcast hosted by Joel Osteen and Eric Cartman. Screw you guys. I'm going to praise some guys. I'm going to praise some Jesus. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show, new listeners. We, I, I would feel like Hopefully. every show, there's new listeners. Yes. I mean, every every show is somebody's first show. So if this is your first show, welcome. Welcome to uh, Hi Dare. Hi Dare, everybody. It's a nice 61 degrees here in LA. We, how, do you, uh, how do you consider this show? Like, I, cons- I always consider this show... I, I'm not going to lie. When I came here with the anticipation of podcasting in some form or fashion, I always wanted a show that was a hangout, a show that that everybody could just come and chill with us. Whatever the hell it is we decide we're talking about tonight, everybody just comes in and is like, yeah, hey, we're going to learn about uh, Space Shuttle Endeavor, yeah. for instance, or whatever. You STS know, like, you 420. Know, STS 420, exactly. What episode was that? 15. Guys, go listen to that. That was fun. We went to the... Uh, that was 50 episodes ago. Yeah. 51. We went, we went to the Science Museum here in LA and... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it's a it's a, an oldie but a goodie. Oldie it's, but it's, goodie. it's definitely in the, the Hall of Fame. We had for, shittier mics situations going on, so well, we had apologize. The, we, oh, fuck you and your shittiest <laughs> mic. Joe, don't be hating on, hey, the, on. on the old episodes of, of Hyde Air. It's, uh, we've it's strived, classic. We've strived to create a better show, or at least quality sound-wise. I don't know if quality yes. content-wise we're hitting those. Well, <laughs> see, I mean, quality content, I mean, it, it's the hangout. The hangout, like, whenever I, like, hang out with you and Steve, sometimes you guys talk about shit that I have no idea what what you guys are talking about it's just the hang it's the energy it's it's all that kind of stuff so because we dropped some lsd right before you come over <clears> and we then... did we we popped a couple sugar cubes <laughs> yeah um, speaking of which dude i really do want to try uh mdma i i want to give it a shot mdma i mean i don't know much about MDMA. in a controlled you know i wouldn't want to just go balls to the wall i know mdma is basically the same as cannabis like as far as danger wise it's a safe drug to take okay um it's the equivalent. I guess it's uh, what is it that ravers take? Um, ecstasy. Ecstasy. Yeah, it's right. Ecstasy. It is. So, it is. Which, but it's MDMA. It was given the name ecstasy, but you know. well, MDMA is it's it's like scientific classification, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, but it's a safe drug. It really yeah. is. But it's a hallucinogen. Yeah. And I was kind of I was listening to a uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but it was a uh, psychedelic salon episode where they were talking about the prohibition of it and stuff. Yes. And kind of how the people that would like go to these raves back in the early, like, I guess it was the early nineties, late yeah, 90s-ish? late eighties, early nineties. Yes. So there's all this rave scene that was getting, you know, stomped down because people were ODing at these things. In but Dallas. They were, that's where I was going to say this just a second ago, that ecstasy really came onto the club scene very, very heavily in Dallas. It's considered yeah. one of the origins. Yeah. From some unknown, incredibly wealthy benefactor, which let's face it. There's only like five in Dallas. <laughs> So it's pretty easy to figure out who might have had their hand in in getting the world hooked on ecstasy. Yeah. I so, just, anyways, I found it fascinating that like people who were trying it because 
you know, the whole idea for everyone with a hallucinogen, it's different. Like some people are just like, I just want to get fucked up and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so no. I, I, I would want to know personally, I kind of want to know where my mind will go on that kind of drug. Like, go. What kinds of things will I be thinking about? Like yeah. I have no desire to like be an idiot about it. I definitely want to do like the proper dosage yeah. and see what kinds of things I learn because I, I absolutely have faith that they're are things to be learned in those situations, you know? I would so. never trust myself to want to get into that kind of a mindset and drive it. Yeah. You know, which is so weird. I, I heard I heard Shelby say this a lot. I heard you say it a lot. But before I ever, you know, kind of thought it of myself, I always thought it was an odd phrase to say that I I wouldn't trust myself in that situation. I just, I never considered... Like you take advantage of yourself? Or? Well, I mean, I never... I suppose it's because for a long time I never really looked inward and looked to like consider who I am. Who am I really? What are my downfalls? What are my strengths? What are the things that make me who I am and can dictate the situations that I do and do not want to put myself into? What do you think it is that gets you to think about those things? Like how do you go, how do you switch from not really paying attention to the inner you really, you know, cause a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, a quiet time. Like, Oh, meditation. Like, yeah. Oh, well, it's yeah, like this it's, big deal to, yeah, to life. Cause we're constantly taking in things from outside of ourselves. So we're yeah. constantly being fed. What gets you to switch? Like, how did you switch? How did I switch? Um, I, I kind of had to, because I started feeling an incredible, went through a, a couple of different events in my life that caused me to, to feel some very strong emotions that I didn't know how to control and how to feel and how to deal with. So I had to take a look inside myself to get through it because gosh, uh, this is a, an interesting, I mean, thought uh, I it's, 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 of, a, but it's a hard thing because what I'm thinking is, is what you were saying was, is basically you live life where well, you're yeah. constantly f- being fed information from other people. It's only when you start questioning, why do I believe this? Why do I think that life is this? Or why right. do I choose to say this is the way this is? It's only until you start examining why it is you even think that and realize those yeah. are technically things we're taught. But what yeah. are what do you at your core feel about them? You I know, was, when you start... I was in a... Because... Uh, I, I'm a person that loves to be with somebody. I love companionship. And so when I was growing up, that constantly meant that I wanted to be in a relationship, I suppose. You know, when I first started dating, I yeah. was like constantly seeing somebody and long term seeing somebody kind of uh, like giving off portions of your life to someone else that you were you were yeah. cultivating something with. Someone yeah, else. I mean, yeah. it was it was always just kind of a singular monogamous kind of thing each time. But I mean, I, I did that pretty constantly. Um, there were periods of time where I, I, I wouldn't for a while, but, uh, I was in one of those and it was kind of a weird kind of emotionally destructive thing for me, uh, like incredibly. So I, I was not sure how to handle it. And my, my family was out of the country. They were living abroad. Most of my family was, uh, my brother had just gotten married. Uh, so he was very out of commission. Yeah. I mean, not, not, he wasn't unavailable, but he was kind of unavailable. He was not, he was no longer my brother. He's now, right, he's right. now Simon McNenny, Lindsay's wife, yep. Lindsay's husband. Excuse oh. me. Sorry, Simon. When you're he puts not, on his heels. Yeah. I mean, you're Lindsay's bitch, <laughs> but you're not her wife. Okay. <laughs> oh, we love, love you. Dude. We love, I love you. you man. Um, <clears throat> so I, but, uh, um, 
okay, so this is a big deal for me to say that I had kind of fallen away from the church in terms of that because, you know, growing up in Texas, that was a big deal. And even up till like my mid 20s, like I was, I made that a priority. I really fucking gave it a solid ass effort. And there was just something about that whole community that I never really grasped onto. It was always so easy for me to not go to a fucking little small group thing. Yeah. Because I just, I was like, man. I don't, it's, it's so much of a struggle to, to be around that, that personality type and that kind of community when I don't connect with it, it was just easier not to do it. So I didn't have that to fall back on. I didn't have my family to fall back on. Shelby was really the, one of the only people I had to fall back on in terms of talking. And even then Shelby is not the most like available person as far as like, he's not going to be by my bedside. He's not going to hold my hand through all this shit. Like we grew up together. Shelby and I have been through a lot and there came a time that like, well, this happened right at the same time we were writing the atrium. And so it just kind of, it, both of those things slammed into each other and he snatched me out of this kind of situation that I'd found myself in. I didn't know how I got here, but suddenly it was like I was awakened from this nightmare and I was like, oh fuck, what the hell am I doing? And he 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 sent me this PDF. Now I'm I'm boiling my answer to your question down to this one singular moment. This PDF changed my life in the sense that it said I know that everybody has their beliefs and you might be Christian, you might be this, you might be that. I want you to just suspend those beliefs for a second. And believe that you are a being totally capable of everything that your brain can fathom. You can do it. And read this 20 pages. It was very short. So I was like, okay, cool. I can do that. It's not like it's asking me to do it for the span of an entire novel. Because that would take me weeks and I Mm -hmm. couldn't do that. 20 minutes, 20 pages. I was like, this will take me 20 minutes to read. 20 or 30 minutes. So I did. I suspended it. And I did exactly what that book said. There was one art. There was one. Uh, uh, exercise in it specifically that it, it got to me. It said, you've got to do all of the exercises in this book. And the first one said, get up and go to a mirror and look yourself in the eye. And you say, I love you as long as it takes until you truly feel it and believe it. Yeah. And I did. And that blew my mind. Yeah. Because I'm sitting there and I'm looking at myself and I know that I'm doing it because somebody just told me to and it's an exercise and I'm supposed to learn something from it. But learning something from it meant I had to feel something. And so when I felt something, I was like, oh my God. Like that, that is the singular moment in which I, I understood that in my belief, religion, the way that religion is right now is not the key to faith. It's not the key to anything. Christianity is a set of rules and a set of of traditions and a set of guidelines for the bigger, broader, more encompassing and more powerful concept that Christ was talking about. And that is love your neighbor. That is love everybody. And the fact that we are capable of anything that we're, that, that we could possibly want means that there's your, your abilities and here's your motivating factor of love. And if those two things combine, we can, uh, anything is possible. That's, that's, that's at the very core of what I think I believe. And I think that that is the same core that Christians and, and the Christian faith 
strives for, but I think there's just way too much distraction in the dogma of Christianity. Whoa, there's an answer for you. I mean, that was great. That <laughs> Sorry. was really good. No, that <laughs> was fantastic. I love, you know, I love hearing this stuff because it's, it's definitely right on. I mean, you, uh, yes, I would say <clears throat> one of the biggest interesting aspects to this whole concept of freeing your mind is you choose to do it. Yeah. And the second you choose not to do it, that means someone else takes hold of your mind. And so yeah. it's that <clears throat> fine line between... <sighs> taking on your own path versus someone else's path. That is, it's always been, that's, that's always been the one thing that loosens me up from any concept, any ideology, anything. It's the fact that if I can still choose to detach, I get to choose. That's power. Like that is true. There's something to it. And so what else would cause me to jump onto something. It's someone else's concept. So yeah. what's good about those concepts? Like Christianity, there's so many good ones. Like so many religions have amazing at their core concepts. Like no doubt, no fucking doubt. But it's it's when you can live without having to think and constantly remind yourself and and pour, like people who do like rituals all the time, and I'm not saying that's wrong by any means, but to me, that sounds like a chore in my head. Like I can't imagine, yeah. I know that's probably also a form of meditation as well. It's probably very right. therapeutic and I get that. But, but in the grand the scheme of like church teaches it, like I never found praying to be as calming as people say meditating is supposed to be Yeah, because praying for me was a chore. I had, you had prayers and you had a certain thing you needed to like ask for God, ask God for things in a certain yeah. way and all that. That's. That's not relaxing. But I mean, like going on a walk, I can go on a walk, but like setting up an altar and like putting things on it and like doing incense and like saying a certain chant and things like that. I I can't conceive of doing that. It just seems so weird to me. You do that every time you decide to sit down and record a song. You have to set up a project in logic. You have to make sure that your filters are the way that you want them. And you fucking sing a chant that you've written. That is very true. When you're making songs. You're not wrong. But... But you're right. You're doing that because that is what you connect with. I mean, on an I just, emotional for some and reason, very spiritual level. I feel like level. we can snap our fingers. The, the, the speed I can snap my finger, why shouldn't I mentally be able to get straight to my spiritual self where I feel like I'm in heaven and I don't need the whole charade, the whole parade, yeah. all the balloons and the bells and whistles. If I want to get to my spiritual self, like that's... I feel like that is a possibility for for everyone. It's just that's, that's nirvana. Yeah. That's that's heaven. That's that is everything that every religion ever strives to is probably that right there that you're discussing. But it's just the mentality. But but that's what you do by recording these songs, by doing these things that that seem like rituals, seem like chores. They're us exercising that part of us and making it easier for us to get there and, and yeah. attain those things. I mean, we we do live behind a veil of human flesh sacks called called life. God, like why that's, do you gotta call it a flesh sack? Because I wanted disgusting. to I wanted to throw people off a little bit. But <laughs> a we suit. are we are a we are a, a, a consciousness inside a brain inside a, a an avatar. Right? Exactly. That's exactly Elijah Shkiban. I mean, everyone. Okay, anyone who's yeah Shkiban. You know, copyright. Copyright. If any if anybody's seen Avatar, there's the scene where he wakes up in the body, and you're looking at his point of view. He's looking at his hands. He's like, you see the whole body. I mean, essentially, look at your look around the room. Look at your hands. Look at everything that you have around you, and you your brain in an instant chooses. Like I snap my finger just now. Like boom, boom, boom. My brain is choosing to do it, and how quickly 
the body responds to my consciousness telling it to do something. That is unbelievable to me. And I it's, know yeah. we do this and it's normal behavior. We eat food with our hands and it's magical, probably from a dog or, you know, maybe a, I can't even say a dog is less intelligent than a human. I don't even know. I have no idea. It's true. We're taught they are, but I have no idea. Um, Based I, on our, our perceptions of intelligence, but what, what our, our perceptions of intelligence are based on what? Like, how do we know that ours are superior than theirs? Well, they could be transcendent. Like, if you come back as a dog, it's the most peace, peaceful place of, in the planet. Exactly. You freaking have someone picking up Man, your shit. Man, has got no worries right now. You get food, you get yeah. the water, you get the, the tummy rubs. Yeah. No, but I, I do wonder, like, you know, how does this, like, how, everything that we're doing in our bodies, like, how is it that we get so far away from looking at the absolute amazingness that you can go and stare in a mirror and you can say, I love you because dude, we live in our own heads all the time. So there's so many days where I'm just like, I get, I'll get depressed about like stuff and I have to remind myself, dude, you fucking, I love you. Like I've kept myself safe. I've, I've survived this long on this planet. You know what I mean? Like of all the crazy shit I did as a kid, you got your back. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, you look in the mirror and I know this is crazy to anyone who's never done it. Yes, it sounds crazy, but just go fucking do it. It's not a big deal. You just stare at yourself and tell yourself, like, look at you until it's no longer you. You're looking at yourself as almost you step out of yourself to look back at you. It's like a picture of the earth. Yeah. It's looking back at your home planet. Yeah. That's what you're looking at when you look in the mirror. If you can, aside from going, oh, I, I have a pimple here and you're like, yeah, criticizing the way you look. If you yeah. just look at yourself as a stranger, like as a brand new person, and say, "I yeah. fucking love you for who you are," like that's what simple. I did. That's what I did when I had to, when I convinced myself to, that I loved myself. It was one of those things that I had to mentally extract myself from the situation and think, "Okay, me as the person who's saying this, I would say this to somebody that I thought was fucking dope as hell." And, and I love the hell out of them and they are, are amazing people and like all these things that I'm telling myself. And then since I'm looking at my reflection, it's almost like I, they're being told to me. And so I had to put myself in a situation of, okay, if somebody's telling me something and I can tell that they're absolutely sincere about what they think, at least about me, how would this make me feel? And so that was the key. That yeah. was when I, that split second, and it really was a split second moment before suddenly I was jolted back awake and I was like, I just felt something that I didn't logically put in my head. Yeah. I felt something because something, someone, i.e. me, my consciousness told me my other, my other side of the consciousness. It was really weird. It was this really weird, like beyond the, the dimension kind of yeah. thing that, that happened there. And it was only because of that moment right there that I was able to weeks later watch Zeitgeist and, well, and understand that there are people who are giving us a narrative. Yeah. And me as somebody who had never, ever seen my own potential before, I was like, oh, shit, I am I am 1000 percent prey to all of this shit. Those those are the moments. Yeah. How many movies are, you know, exist where the character, the the hero of the movie sees its own reflection in something, whether it's water, looking into a pond, seeing your reflection. Yeah. How many movies? You know what I mean? Simba. Exactly. I mean, that's... But that's that's the same concept. Like, this isn't a new concept. It's it's seeing yourself, and it it does something to you when you really do go for it. If you go for it, you have to go for it. Otherwise, it's not going to work. 
um, if you're going into it thinking, I mean, go into it thinking whatever you want. No, well, I but mean, you yes, can sure, absolutely but shift yourself in an instant if you let yourself. That's why psychedelics are so exciting. And I say exciting because, I mean, honestly, they are. Anything that, that one, people have done a lot of research on, and there's a lot of information out there as to exactly what LSD or DMT or, or, MDMA. MDMA would do to your Shrooms. your brain and body and your experience and all that kind of stuff. Psilocybin, exactly. Right. That's funny. Good old Christian boy. I know a lot of fucking clinical terms for illegal, illicit drugs at this moment. And it's well, you know, illegal just because of, of politics and stuff. But, you know. But just I, know this. You didn't make up all those things. They're just things that exist yes, outside of yourself. They exist far and outside why the of myself. fuck should you not know about those exactly. things? Exactly. Exactly. There is a, that's the one thing I always think about is like, uh, how over time, like in the nineties, like the whole war on drugs and stuff, it's so interesting to like research and learn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It's so interesting to research and discover why certain drugs, like, like parents would find their, their kid would OD on a drug and die. And so it would become a really shady deal because the parent didn't want to have to admit to any of their friends. Their kid was a quote unquote, a druggie because they had six different drugs in their body. When in reality they took one drug they thought was MDMA one time and it was a manipulated pill. Uh, because when you have prohibition, people will create and spin off their own versions of drugs and you get away from the actual purest form of what you intend to take. But it was interesting to kind of learn about all that stuff and kind of realize, man, there's so many things people miss out on. Like, not that everybody has to do these things, but if you think about it, if the world is going to change, I would trust people who are taking psychedelics way the fuck more to, pr- to solve any problem than now. anyone. Oh, absolutely. But you know absolutely. that you, you would trust them now. I would trust them then. I think at some, some point then when, when's then at all you? times, I think anyone who's going into those kind of hallucinogens, it's so when you were, I'm sorry, it's such an equalizer. I think I, th- from what, what I'm, from what I'm learning. That? Oh yeah. I think, yeah, I think you can go into anything. If you want an outcome, you're, consciousness can create that outcome so you can go into a hallucinogen you want to rule the world you can use that to yes to rule the world but if you're going into it to learn about yourself that is separated from the ego i guess because it's the ego i think that is i really do i think it's the ego that gets everybody in trouble yeah is you can't just let go just let go and when you do it's almost like there's, you don't have to do anything. You almost sit in this ether zone and you can contemplate every choice that you're going to make, what you're actually currently doing. It, you can assess how you want to go forward with something and it gives you the opportunity to kind of to breathe outside of yourself. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's what the mirror thing does. It's you let go of your ego because you're so astonished that you're looking back at yourself. It's almost beautiful. But you're you have like, to want to. I'm actually looking at myself. It's like yeah. uh, when couples, they don't look at each other for years yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, uh, the husband looks over and the wife's just staring at him. And then it's like this connection because they haven't looked at each other in so long. They've just been buried in their own busy world of sports and coming home from work, being tired and just reading a book and everyone does their thing. That's a very big reality for a lot of people. Yeah. And not talking about stuff, you know? Well, you can tell, you can tell when somebody, somebody's happy just by looking at them. You can tell when somebody's sad, you can tell when somebody's pained or hurt or, or, you know, so, looking at yourself and being able to separate with who the person you're looking at, who, you know, like don't look at them as you because you think, you know, you look at them as somebody that you don't think, you know, like I, 
I think I know you, but there've got to be times I look at you and you're like fucking pissed and I think you're fine. Oh, dude, I think I, yeah, I'm never pissed. Well, I mean, whatever. But I would say 99.9 times I'm ever pissed, just so you know, for the future. Yeah. So you never have to question yourself again. Right. 99.9 times if I'm ever pissed, it's because I'm thinking about things that I, I'm trying to Injustices like, that I didn't do. World. Yeah. Or like things that, yes, things that I'm, it's all me, bro. Yeah. Never. No, never, I know. Right. I know. And I mean, it's, it's not even that. But when I looked at myself, I saw the pain. And I know what I feel. I'm, I'm, I'm a bleeding heart when it comes to people that I care about feeling some sort of pain. I will bend over backwards if I can. Like a, like a crab crawl kind of thing? Yeah, like crab the, uh, like the lobster, lobster walk. <laughs> like um, uh, the ring? Like, well, I it guess. Like, like one of those <laughs> demon-possessed creatures crawling yeah, around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll do anything for, for those people if I can. Anything that I possibly can. And I saw that in myself. And I thought, oh... All right, I have to now be willing to do anything possible to to fix me. Yeah. And that included like cold turkey done with this girl. Out. Out the door. Have not have not talked to her since. The end. Period. You period. shut that book. Yes. Done. Done and done. And and I am an all new, all new me, all new person. And you're free. That Er. that person that I was (laughs) could not be doing what we're doing right now. He could not, he could not even fathom having made the atrium could not be doing this podcast network this way. Yeah. Could not be imagining a thought form. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's something that I'm incredibly. What was this other Ian like? I've never met this other guy. I don't know if I want to meet him. It sounds scary. You can hear him. I mean, you can, you can definitely hear him back in some of the old episodes of McCookin, uh, you know, within the first, like, I mean, that's what McCookin is. McCookin is the transition and high dare is the, the, the new, like, this is me emerging from the cocoon. Yeah. And, and, and now here we are, we are, we are fucking butterflies we with are the wings. Fucking elf tree. We're two little butterflies in a, in a little hole in a tree. Yeah. And you know what? I got to say after hours AM, they were a show that we were on yeah. last night, but last week when Joel? the show comes out, Joel, Eric, Eric, you guys were killer. Um, they talked to us about our, our experience with the Olivia Mayville story. Yeah. We, and uh, our Kickstarter, we had, uh, we had, uh, we were a little nervous because we, it was a live show. We had no idea, dude. I had no fucking clue. I think it only just hit us like days beforehand that it's like, this show is going to be live. It's a big show too. Like they had, I think, uh, On a Fox affiliate. Yeah. They, it's, it's a, yes. So it's syndicated. Um, but yeah, it's it was a really cool show. The guys were hilarious. Yeah. Um, they were really freaking kind to us, and they yes. were very, uh, ge- like very encouraging. Well, I mentioned this. They hosted us very well. They mm-hmm. were. I mean, the second he skyped us in, we answered. We said hello, and he was on. They were both on and hosted us for the entirety of the entire show, even in between breaks and after we went off the air. They sat and chatted with us for like ten extra minutes after you yeah. know, off the air. I went rogue a few times. You did well. I mean, we all did. We yeah. all kind of, we all kind of hijacked. I totally the botched my little. Uh, yeah, intro. guys, we apologize. Like that is our first like show that is not our show. So if we like stepped on any points or any questions or everything, you know, 
we we apologize, but thank you for being thank you for being such gracious hosts. Yeah. You guys fucking rock. Yeah, they were awesome. And I'm sorry. We also can't like swear on their show. Yeah, but we can say whatever the we fuck can we say want. Say whatever ours. we want on our <laughs> show. So uh, we'll have to have them on, and they'll be able to totally let loose if they. Yeah, want. they were they were awesome, and we will have them on at some yeah. point. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were awesome. Uh, go check their website out. Mm-hmm. America's Most Haunted.com is like the main page, and then slash after dash hours dash am is for after hours am yeah joe eric you guys are badasses so that kind of takes us to to a, a much lighter hearted you know back two-thirds of the show i didn't necessarily think we were gonna get like so deep into you know like, oh well really, i think sometimes I mean, really you gotta good shit like that yeah. this is a fucking solid intro into the show intro i mean how long have we been going right now we've been going for a good solid 28 minutes 28 so minutes this will be a long episode this yeah. will be a good long episode i yeah. think you know what it'll not to not to say it'll make buckle up your, for buckle but your you know, last last episode was 47 minutes i mean this is, put this on your d-racks yeah um put so on your helmet tonight we're gonna run tonight i guess it's tonight right yeah, we're going to cool running. We're, we're here tonight. Yeah, tonight, man. <laughs> tonight, man. We're um, cool running. We're cool running. That was terrible. Um, we are going to run our episode of After Hours AM mm-hmm. uh, from, when was it? February 11th. February 11th. So this was uh, this will be, yeah. Um, 2016. Exactly. And so, yes, hosted by uh, Joel and Eric, and we are kind of sitting in the passenger seat. So. Yeah, it's, it's Joe, me, and Martin, and we're all there just kind of talking about Olivia Maybell and Thought Forms and Tulpas and Fox Mulder. Yeah, Fox, oh yeah. <laughs> <I was> so. Like, <laughs> and so, yeah, enjoy, and uh, we will see you next week, I guess. Yeah, for this week on Hi Dare, I'm Ian. And I'm Joe, and uh, AM After Hours. We gotta go. We gotta go. go. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome back to After Hours AM, everybody. The only show that makes you go, oh my god, that was scary. And tonight, this is no exception. Tonight we talk the crazy, crazy, crazy story about thought forms or the tulpa, depending upon what you feel they are, what name you want to give to them. Any name that you do give them is still damn creepy, if you know what I'm saying. I'm your host, Joel Sturgis, right along with me. Eric Olson. Eric, man, who do we have tonight to talk about this very topic? Very excited to announce that we are covering the real life, the bizarre death of Olivia Mabel, whose story is being turned into the short horror film, Thought form by Elf Tree Media. And we have three key members of Elf Tree Media right here with us. We have the filmmakers Ian McNenny, who's producer and editor, Joe Morales, producer and sound, and Martin Eden, who is writer and director. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you. How's it going? <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> Warm introduction. <laughs> well, you know, he, he gets paid the little bucks for it, so don't, don't even worry about that. <laughs> but I get paid little teeny <laughs> little pieces teeny. of... You're in radio, man. Come string. on. You, you thought you'd get <laughs> rich doing string. this? Uh, no, uh, getting getting right to it, guys. Uh, first, I want to kind of jump into it, because I know it's, time is a little bit of the essence for you guys. You guys have a Kickstarter campaign out there, right? Uh, we do. It's uh, running currently now through uh, 8 a.m. Pacific on February 17th. 
So get out there and kick its ass, people. And you guys Ow! are, and the goal you guys are after is only ten. Well, I shouldn't say only, but smaller <laughs> than most Kickstarters out there. Well, yeah, Eric. Eric mentioned on in his article modest amount, and I I think it's you know it's it's a fair amount for us to make this film the way we want to make this. this yeah, film. And, and I I watched the video you guys have on there. I, I researched this topic. I'm I've been a paranormal investigator the last twenty plus years, so I'm very well versed in the topic of thought form, which is on its own creepy as hell but then you add in the strange story in texas now how did you guys happen upon this story because it's got it's weird it's a weird damn story yeah um stumble upon there's that app uh that you just it kind of calls you through all these random websites and uh one day i just stumbled upon this this website that was oliviamaybell.com and it has the the whole story on there and um, Joe and I host a podcast together called High Dare, and this is just kind of a topic that struck my my interest, and we decided to bring it on the show one week. Do you guys cover a lot of paranormal on your show, or was just one of those really, really odd topics that had to get talked about? No, it was definitely like, yeah, it was one of those things that you come across, and it's like, dude, we got to talk about this. This is crazy. Yeah, like, we, we talk about nerd things, movies, music, uh, mm-hmm. conspiracy theories from time to time, uh, and, and paranormal stuff you know, comes in from time to time, sure. but it's, where, it's where not can, all that frequent. Where could our audience, once, of course, they're done with this show, go find your podcast, get a little flavor of you guys? Uh, Hidere.com, H-I-G-H-D-E-R-E.com. Everyone check it out. I think you guys really enjoy it. I did listen to a few episodes. Very well done, by the way, guys. Oh, Thanks. thank you. Very, very well done. But getting back to the story at hand, how did Olivia Mabel, of all people, that's that really, by all accounts, if you look at her picture, it looks like a, a normal suburban wife, housewife. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really, when you, when you look at her from the 1990s, don't get don't get me wrong, she probably drove, you know, a Saab or something. But looking at her minivan, you know, probably. <laughs> but looking at her, you'd never suspect she would be somebody with an altar in her home uh, trying to, well, manifest a ghost. Yeah, it's uh, a little out of the realm of anything I could have ever considered you know, doing for myself at least. Yeah, but if you look at if you look at the story, uh, and this is a woman who's dealing with great loss. Yes. Uh, isolated, yeah. she's alone. She'd do anything to reconnect with her son again. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those stories that when we were reading it, it was like that's just that's so creepy. Like just the thought of that, seeing someone in this picture, and that's the potential thing that was going on it's like what was she doing in there yeah what's going on behind the eyes yeah i can understand that i can understand being out certainly being going to texas to to shoot this uh, teaser that we shot it's 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 massive (laughs) it's it's absolutely massive i mean i'm from as you i'm from a little island you go out there and there's just land and you can feel it you can feel isolation Mm -hmm. and i imagine if you're grieving and you're there and you're you're lost yeah what 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 are the depths that you would go to? Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. I mean, I, I can only imagine, like you said, there it's very isolated where she was. I mean, was she about an hour north of Dallas? Yeah, something something like that. And, and and so when you guys got there and you guys, obviously you guys talked to the locals about the story. And it, um, the, the as far as locals go, I mean, I haven't really known anybody. Uh, I asked around. And there's nobody really been there longer than about ten years, so nobody goes back even this far. Okay, so no one could say, "Hey, yeah, we knew her." Oh, you know? we had, we actually got contacted by somebody through our campaign, 
who said she lived in Salina, oh, Texas. Sh- that's true. And she was familiar with the story, which is bizarre because honestly, there are a lot of dead ends when you research this story. Yeah, sure. It's fascinating and uh, it's just mysterious. Yeah. And that's what attracted us to it as uh, you know as artists and and trying to turn this into a film yeah we reached back out she hasn't she hadn't returned our our email but it was it was interesting to suddenly run into somebody who seems to be our age um which isn't isn't really old enough to have kind yeah, of lived there on your own now, I, it's it's bizarre can i ask you that i mean you said you've had some experience with tulpas because i find the the subject of tulpas fascinating sure, sure. Uh, uh, and i mean we're kind of crowbarring tulpas into this this story that, that, that we found i mean who knows what the hell happened there in texas but we're kind of suggesting that she was so lost she kind of manifested her child a manifested a version of her child to communicate with which uh, that does happen there are documented cases of ghosts yeah. being manifested even with their own backstory and their own intelligence uh a lot of investigators also uh, think that poltergeist activity is a form of thought form or tulpa interesting the, yeah there was, there was the philip experiment do you remember yeah, that? exactly the yeah they had eight yeah, mediums when, around uh it was 19 i want to say 73 76 somewhere in there they had eight mediums around skilled mediums for the day around a, uh, a table and they created out of thin air and the movie the quiet ones is actually based on this experiment um they they created a, a ghost on a thin air. It had its own backstory, had its own intelligence. It was able to be captured on EVP, electronic voice phenomena, as well. Really? So they were able to bring their brain power together. And I, I think that if you had dealing with loss really expands a huge amount of energy into the atmosphere. If, if, you, if, you, if you think of yourself as like a radio station, Okay, and, and you're giving off this negative or positive, what have you, this energy. Okay, now the energy, as we know, it, it, it cannot be destroyed. It can only change form. Okay, so as you're giving this grieving energy off, there is a small possibility that this energy can be created and create something of your own making. In fact, people in the past mm-hmm. have used thought forms and tulpa to do things for them, almost as, a, as indentured slaves. Yeah, well, I read, I read one woman, uh, her husband, he worked away a lot. He basically were a businessman who traveled a lot, and she created a tulpa of him while he was gone. And then he came back home one day, and, the, and, and the, there's himself. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he runs into yeah. his doppelganger. I, I totally, yeah, yeah. totally I've heard that story. It's so strange. It's so strange. But, but within, where in that, what you just said, that's kind of where uh, I, the, our story kind of takes its interesting turn because you wonder – with that loss, I mean, and if she has created this, you know, uh, with that feeling of of loss and and, and the grief, mm-hmm. what exactly is the is the thing that she yeah. creates? I mean, how pure could it be when she's dealing with all those emotions? So that's kind of what our movie goes into a little bit. I mean, yeah. one of the one of the creepiest things that I you know, I was doing research on this Tolpa.info site, but there's message boards there where a bunch of people will just post about them creating their own tulpas mm-hmm. and I was just reading through a bunch of them and it was so intriguing how real these things are to people who actually do mess with, with mm-hmm. that stuff and so it, it makes this story to me even more creepy like yeah this is something there's something to this but what is it you know well exactly I don't know. where does the rubber meet the road I mean how real is it to the rest of us is it a manifestation of our own mental 
powers too. Yeah. I mean, is it all internalized? Well, even beyond that, everything you guys just said is is really fascinating, kind of just mind blowing if you think about it. Um, it. It's kind of the ultimate extension of mind over matter. But in this, what is equally fascinating to me is in this particular case, the details of this specific case. It's not just a general thought form. It's not just a general manifestation conjuring, which could even take the form, say, uh, of a golem in -hmm. the Hebraic tradition. But this is specifically a tulpa, it would appear, in the Buddhist, esoteric Buddhist tradition, because, because based upon the evidence that was found, the language, it was Sanskrit, etc. So it would appear that this woman had, you know, through one source or another, had actually researched and devoted herself to this particular branch of Buddhism, esoteric Buddhism. And, and, you know, without even knowing that part, you know, I knew that part, but what really struck me is she made, which is big, what, what Eric just said, in that culture is figurines of her tulpa. Uh, yeah, you, you, I mean, and that's that harkens back to what exactly what Eric was saying if she was going that route, which is actually some would say even more powerful because now you're focusing your energy on something, yeah. you, you know, and now we're talking a whole different matter, something that potentially could be extremely dangerous. Absolutely. And then where did she find this? And where did she find this? Knowledge? How did she run across? Yeah. yeah. Out, in, out in the middle of nowhere, you know. Generally, yeah. if you are going to go to the traditions, you have to create your own doll. Right. It, it, because it's part of you. It's coming from your own hand. Right. And this was pre-internet. So it's not like she would just look... I'm going to do a little... Yeah, uh, gonna, let's, let's Google, Google this. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's Google I'm going to Google, boy. how do I bring back my dead child? And, yeah. Um, yeah, with some nice 90s music in the background. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> some, <laughs> some Duran Duran rocking. Hanging around. I don't want to live my life again. Listen to Meatloaf. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Yeah. All right, so what it just occurred to me, we kind of jumped into this in the middle of the story. So for those of us out there in radio land who have not read the article, and we do have a pretty full, complete article about this whole tale on America's Most Haunted. There's, of course, on the Kickstarter. What Before we do anything else, and, uh, and, and I want one of you guys or a combination of you guys to give a kind of concise version of the Olivia Maybell story. But before we do that, let's tell them very specifically how to get to your Kickstarter and they you guys need their help right now it's time to get on it people quit putting it absolutely. off absolutely it's the 11th hour uh, as they say we go to thoughtformfilm.com yeah, we try you, to make it as easy as possible yeah thoughtformfilm.com just go there and you'll see the full campaign and um, you can watch the teaser and uh, there's links to all the backstory. Everything you want and more. Yeah. <laughs> T-shirts. For as music. little as $5, you get the film. <laughs> Seriously, bang for your buck, guys. They're yeah. only going for $10,000, which for a film, even a short, is pretty remarkably small. And they tell yeah. you exactly where the money's going to go. And they tell you how it's going to be used. And they tell you what they're going to do with it. And they show you a teaser to show you the quality mm-hmm. of their work. And I'm telling you. For as little as you're able to give, uh, this is going to be – all of this money will be on the screen. There is no padding. 
No, well, honestly, I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I'm I mean, very impressed by what you guys have put together. I think it's a really nice. I see so many. You know, how many Kickstarters do you see? Endless, endless, yeah, endless. Yeah, but yours, lot. yours is effective. Uh, it's not overly long. It is to the point, and it's it's very well done. I'll tell you, I'm all for it. All right. So now, having done that, having told people, or of course, you can just go to Kickstarter itself and put in thought form film. That's how I found it the last time. Now, why don't you guys, in, in singularly or in some combination, let's tell the basic story kind of from the beginning so people know what we're talking about here. All right. So um, essentially, the, the short version of the article, um, Olivia Maybell was a, a grieving Texas mother. In 1994, her body was discovered in her home dead. Um, people had not seen her in quite a long time, and they attributed this to her grieving uh, from the death of her seven-year-old son, Aiden, about four years prior. Um, police got a, a series of mysterious 911 calls which alerted them to the house. They came and discovered this uh, very creepy scene, as we've been talking about, um, with uh, Olivia's body in a rocking chair, um, clutching the doll that she'd created in front of this altar with um, she'd written all these letters and drawn pictures and just seemingly everything she could do to focus all of her her attention and discipline on on Aiden on creating um, what appeared you know as far as the the urban legend goes would appear to be this thought form of her son um, so that's uh, kind of in a nutshell what what they found at the house. Uh, and then since then, the official story is one way, uh, it's very clean cut and, and ruled kind of this uh, unknown death. Um, and then the urban legends that surround all the, the like you mentioned, the Sanskrit and the, the drawings and just kind of the, the overall scene um, has kind of led everybody to think that some sort of weird supernatural thing has occurred there. So that's that's the the element of the story that we latched onto and decided to to kind of and make from our there film with. from from the actual event in 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 the 1994 uh it appeared online. Yeah. There's a website oliviamabel.com which you can go and see and you can read all this. Uh, almost completely untrackable. Yeah. There's no there are no, you know, footprints of it. But that's that is essentially where we got every every piece of material that we are going off of. Uh, kind of comes from this this article and some of the supporting stuff. Now, are you guys have you guys been to the home? I mean, do you guys have access to actual crime scene? We can't really tell where it is. I mean, okay. Salina, Texas is is a small town, but it's not really that small. We took I mean, a trip to Salina, Texas yeah. over over Thanksgiving because mm -hmm. we were going to look for for locations for shooting. Yeah, uh, the house that we stayed at is in Salina. The one that we actually are going to use as our location is there. But I. Without much more information to go off of, I don't really know how we would locate the actual house. Well, I was kind of curious. The police report doesn't cite an address. That's that's kind of odd. It, it seemed, you know. yeah, I, I it looked redacted to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then again, it could be a case of let's forget about this this situation as a town and let you know let's forget about it and that way we don't have to deal with it. Kind of feeling possibly. Yeah. That's there, one of that's it, one of the things I thought about. I was like, if you are in a small town like this 
and it's heavily religious or, I mean, what would you think? Like, what would people think this was, you know, (laughs) this woman was worshiping the devil or, you know, I mean, you wouldn't want tourists. It would turn into some. Well, well, yeah, (laughs) you don't want ghost hunter. You don't want a bunch of ghost hunters showing up and going, hey, let's go to the demon house. Exactly. Exactly. To us. You know. So now I know you don't want to give too much of it away, but uh, I'm very curious what treatment then are you guys giving to the story? Well, well we're using that as as the base, as the spine, because I mean everything that we discussed earlier on with the supernatural mm-hmm. uh, is um, is added by us. I mean that's the fantasy element. We yeah, don't, we we don't we don't know that. You know, nobody has any idea what actually what happened. Actually happened. I mean, nobody's seen the tulpa, and um, we're just. I mean, what else was she doing? I mean, yeah. no. Being We're, quite interested in the occult and, and mysticism uh, and, and being into these topics, that's what I saw when I read it. And, yeah. and maybe that's what you saw as well. We're coming, we're coming at the story from a uh, leaning heavily on the isolation element, though, yeah. in, in, in terms of telling the story just from the perspective of one character. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a way that we wanted to kind of isolate the entire audience and have the entire film carried by Olivia and what she's feeling and, what, and yeah, seeing. And the, there's actually a question mark. What? What is going on with her? Because as you sure. watch the movie, I mean, is she really making all this up? Yeah. Or Does did she, she create a version of her son? Very true. Or did she just ascend into a, a madness? Yes. Yeah, she did. Did she just go mad? So yeah. we, we're hoping we can we can shoot it and, and absolutely from her perspective, we're gonna we're gonna show her in moments of grief. Uh, we're going to show her in, in optimistic moments, actually, when she's preparing for this thing. She, she's, she's decorating the room. She's building the, the uh, artifacts. It's, uh, uh, it, we really see her it's a, journey. It's the entire journey. Yeah. Okay, now, it's now, a journey. Uh, and right. It's either her journey, like you said, it's either a descent into madness or, it, or it's her uh, creating this, this tulper of herself. Now, there is a small chance that... As you guys uncover more and more information, and if this tulpa still does exist, it may latch onto you. Uh, that might be one of the perks of <laughs> we not knowing uh, where the house that, is. I like we the pause. Discuss this. Yeah, that, that you know is. Do you know what's so interesting about this? And you're kind of participating in this without even realizing. I mean, it's like a. It's like a. Uh, it's almost like the Philip experiment in itself. I mean, we just just talking about this and 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 keeping this thought in our head sure. and focusing on this story. We're cr- kind of creating. Uh, or at least giving energy yeah. to whatever this is, and we're kind of creating a tulpa of our own. You it's really a meta are. version. It's a meta. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But think about this: you guys are alone in a small Texas home, <laughs> <laughs> where the body of Olivia was found. Next thing you knew, you yeah. see the tulpa. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Tulpa that's pissed off with a big <laughs> <laughs> and that says, "Never made." I on, hate on Scottish side people. Of that, though, I'll tell you, it's. The you know the other the other side of this or the other aspect of this that I'm I'm sure you're gonna address or maybe you won't I don't know uh, in the film is she lost control of this thing you see and that's the scary part Eric and it's really it's a metaphor for being a parent and especially a mother in the first place in other words you physically create this being this being is half yeah. you mm-hmm. you have brought it into the world then Twice. You, you send it off and you especially over time lose control and it becomes its own thing and its own entity mm-hmm. and, and and this it's a is child. a child it's a child 
You know? Exactly. Yeah. It really yeah. is. It's it's a it's a spiritual uh, you know child um, th- that this mother created. So, do you think inherently by the actions that she went through, would that creation inherently be dark? I don't. I don't think it would be fair to say that necessarily because I mean, just having read through different people's uh, Topa experiences, I've noticed that a lot of them are positive. So, my question would be with this woman: like, it seemed really dark when you see kind of all the details of it. So that would be my only feeling. I don't know what you guys feel. It's but- just very out of place for the 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 surrounding area. And yes. so I imagine that in this instance it's looked upon as very dark because it's not it's not Southern Baptist Christian. But you know there's another school of thought that says you know you do when you call it to the universe you just don't know what's going to come knocking at your door. Oh for sure. sure. Yeah, I yeah, mean it, sure. It, she might have thought it was her son. Well exactly there's that question mark as well. I mean what actually did she create? Yeah. I mean uh, did did she actually create a tulpa of her son or was it something else that was maybe dormant on that land? That she tapped into. Or, you know, if you guys believe in the demonic, could have been a demon just kind of going, hey, I'll be your son. Exactly. <laughs> oh, absolutely. absolutely. Hey, I mean, you open a dimension, you never know what's going to come crawling you, you, through. You know, we, we deal that subject matter all the time on the show, of these doors that people unwittingly open. Absolutely. And they don't know how to close them. And it overtakes them, and eventually it leads to a full-blown just possession and eventually death. Right. That's why ultimately, you know, we would always advise against the spirit board slash Ouija board phenomenon. You know, people on the one hand, people go, it's just a toy. Yeah, it's a Parker Brothers. <laughs> Who cares? No, that is very naive. That's very innocent and naive to think, to think of that. No, there are, there are dimensions. There are things going on that we can't see. And there are ways to access those, those realms. Yeah. And, uh. And yeah, I would be. I would treat them with a lot of respect. Oh yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it, it's we protect we, yourself. Yeah, we've had some very credible uh, demonologists on and exorcists on that that tell us, you know, what you put out there yeah. to the universe can sometimes, if you're not very specific, what you're trying to do can be a call out to whatever is passing by at the moment. Absolutely, some low level demons just just listening in and, you know, and like, decide to be that guy. Yeah. yeah, hey, I'll be your son. Hold on, yeah, watch this. Course. I'll go clean my room and everything until I can, <laughs> until I can kill you. <laughs> always circle back to supernatural. All of life is about Supernatural, the TV show. <laughs> it does make me wonder though, like with in the whole metaphysical aspect of I don't know, just like perceptions, different people's ideas of how things work and when it comes to uh, chemistry and what we're made of and all the particles and all these things. It makes me wonder, you know, if we can think of things and hone in on something like a concept or an idea and then you see it manifested through, I don't know, just, I mean, either writing a song or if you make a film, you eventually give life to something that someone else takes in it's like all the movies that scared me as a kid that was someone else's energy they created so it makes me wonder on that that level like to what degree can tulpas exist you know is everything that we see potentially a tulpa i don't know exactly i mean i I actually have a uh, have a good story about that after the break uh there was a, well, we come back because that's quite involved story about Tulpa and Hollywood. So we'll yeah, be right great, back yeah. right after this. When a grieving mother finds a way to bring back her dead son, 
is not all that comes home. Miss Mabel was uh, discovered deceased inside one of the rooms. Her body was found upright in a rocking chair. What's in a figure made of sticks and leaves? Judging from initial reports, Miss Maybell had been dead a matter of months. Based on the unsolved mystery of Olivia Maybell. There were a lot of photos and personal objects on that, and candles and what we call santuarios. You have no power over Leave me alone! Don't I need help! A short film from Health Tree Media. Mommy. Thought form. Support our Kickstarter campaign now through February 17th at thoughtformfilm.com. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. After Hours AM, everybody. I'm your host, Joel Sturgis, right along with me. Eric Olson. Eric, man, this subject matter of thought forms creeps me the hell out, to be honest with you. And uh, There's really, so many layers. Like, we keep yes. saying meta, 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 and, uh, you know, I'm kind of joking, but I'm not really. And we are, yes, it's meta. Reality. It, it's, 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 it's layers. Maybe. It's layers. It's layers. And we are talking uh, to the filmmakers that are going to make a... You know, right now they got Kickstarter out there, and I'm gonna allow them to introduce themselves because there's just too many names for this guy right now <laughs> to say. But uh, uh, um, they they're only looking to get ten thousand dollars to make this great film about this Olivia Mabel case in Texas, 1994, where she allegedly made a thought form. And we've been talking about that. Anyone that's just tuning in, thought forms are not to be messed with either, guys. I mean, I've dealt with a view people that claim that they made their own thought form and it's doing their bidding as we speak and messing things up uh but what do you do when the thought form goes bad what do you do then you know well free free set them free um you know, <laughs> is it kind of like a free willy thing you know you get sick of feeding it get out of here i don't want you anymore you have to go stand on a jetty while the thought form exactly dies over exactly you? well guys why don't you introduce yourselves again for the audience and uh, we'll continue on. We've got lots of questions for you guys. All right. I'm Ian. I'm the uh, editor and producer. I am Joe. I am composing. And I'm Martin. And I'm uh, directing it. And I wrote it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. you know, but getting back to when I was leaving, uh, years ago, I was having an interview with what, what people would consider the godfather of the paranormal. I don't know how you ever got that name named Brad Steiger. And I've known Brad in, oh, probably 25 years, and he's written like 200 books in the paranormal. And he hit me with something about thought forms I'd never considered. Years ago, many, 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 many years ago, when he was in his youth, he knew one of the creators of the movie, or, and he, by this time, this individual is very old, uh, of Nosferatu. And he brought to me the point that Nosferatu... Uh, that not the actor, but the entity was a thought form that they had created on their own to really embody and really flesh out this character. Whether that's true or not, if that is a true statement that Nosferatu indeed was a thought form, oh my God, there's one right on film. And, <laughs> and, and, and that is really a cool thing. But another question I have for you guys, 
really exploring this case of Olivia Mabel. What was the cause of death? Um, I don't know that there is a cause of death. That's I mean, what, it's, that's it's what's so strange. About that's, it. you know, yeah. I mean, we, we, we wondered what the cause of death was. All that we, we read is that she was found in the rocking and chair. And there's a police report, I think on Olivia Mabel.com. There's even, uh, I think it must be the police chief at the time. There's an audio of him. Okay. Yeah. He was given his, uh, a, uh, press, uh, press conference the morning after. Because yeah. And, uh, inconclusive. I don't Nobody see really any, knows. I don't see a coroner report. You know, any coroner report listed anything that you would normally associate with one of these cases. Nothing. Right. And that yeah, is it, what's so Yeah, it seems odd. to be just this weird hodgepodge of random bits of information, almost like the, the some old lady clerk at the uh, at the police station just, you know, started clearing out old files. And that's another question, you know, who put that website up, like oliviamabel.com, who put that up? And uh, I don't know, we've been thinking, there is um, uh, a husband of Olivia Mabel called Travis Mabel, uh, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where he is or where he's been located, uh, where he's been based for the last, I don't know, for the last 10 years. Well, uh, let, let me write that down. I, uh, beans that we are a larger radio show, we have amazing people that work for us. Then maybe they can track that very individual down for you. Yeah. That would be rad. Um, yeah. You know, maybe we can get him on air. Travis Mabel, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he might be the only person that has any more information about this whole thing. Now, he he and Olivia Mabel, they were divorced, I believe. Yeah, uh, she ran him off, right? She kind of said, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Probably. Well, she wouldn't isolated you, herself. <laughs> yeah. Probably, I think something to do with the death of a son, and I think... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it drove her crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, it really yeah, did. I mean, they're, they're really, they're really yeah. separated. You know, hey, that, hey, guys, um, I, to kind of just take a pause from this tale and the the paranormal implications and whatnot i think it'd be really interesting for people if you just give a little bit of quick background on each of you you know how, how did each of you arrive at this spot what is your personal background in short version i think we'd love to know that sure um ian i'm ian and i uh came from dallas texas i'm uh, an editor and always been fascinated with uh, stories and puzzles. Uh, so kind of editing and producing films have, uh, it's, it's kind of the way that I was always meant to, the, the path I was always meant to follow. Uh, I'm Joe. I, <laughs> I'm Joe. Uh, I, it's like I'm on a, a contestant. Um, no, I, uh, grew up in Texas. I, am a songwriter. I started, uh, touring with people and playing keys, uh, did that for about 10 years and have always had a passion for scoring and so this film was just uh, something that we thought would be an awesome thing to put all of our powers together. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah. I'm Martin. I'm from England. Uh, I, uh, I've been a writer in the entertainment biz back home, former journalist uh, from the UK. Um, I'm a write- screenwriter. Uh, and I love horror movies. I love to tell stories. I love to tell stories. I've produced and written a few short films. Loads of scripts. I worked on a few TV shows. Um, but yeah, um, first time director, which I'm looking forward to on this. I've usually just been a writer. Um, but uh, fascinated with, with, like I said, the occult as well and, and, and mysticism and, and metaphysics. I'm fascinated by all that. And, I, and with a deep love of horror films as well. Grew up in the you know, 70s and 80s when movies were good. And uh, <laughs> that's... Uh, before the remake crap hit, yeah, I hear you. I'm I'm a child of the '70s and '80s as well. Yeah, the so best I, films are from the '70s. They all are. Of them. They, all of them. Definitely, yeah. definitely. 
But uh, I mean, have you any of you guys had your own paranormal experience? I mean, is you guys have? I anything? have. I have. Yeah. What? What? If I might ask, what? What did you experience? Uh, very strange. I uh, I lived in a in a in a flat in England. It was. I don't know if it was. A, had been converted like it was. I think it used to be maybe a hospital that had been converted. Um, nothing really, uh, nothing really crazy happened, but something that definitely did happen. Right. So I mean, that sounds that sounds complicated. But anyway, I moved into this place. I had a roommate. Um, my roommate, uh, his girlfriend, sees dead people. She really does. She's really she. She does. She she <laughs> she's got the sight. Anyway, we we moved into this place. And she, she, as soon as she walked in, she went, oh, okay. Uh, and he's like, well, what's wrong? She goes, there's two entities here. There's one downstairs in the kitchen area. It's a little boy called Timmy. And upstairs in Martin's room, there's this entity. And I don't know whether it's good or it's bad. And that's what she <laughs> that make you feel good about yourself. We, we lived there for two years. He never told me. He never told me this. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. So I used to, I used to, and I was aware of something. Now I'm not saying I'm, I'm psychic, but I'm, I can, I'm sensitive. You know when you're being watched. Yeah, it was, exactly. It was, one, it was one of them. You know, you'd go into the kitchen, you'd flip a light, and you'd feel like you, you had been in the middle of like a dinner or, or a party and everything had stopped because you'd walked in. I would get that feeling all the time. I would go, I got to a year in and I was sleeping. And I was aware there was something watching me sleep, mm. but I got oh, so man. used to it. I used to say out loud in the room, I know you're watching me, but I have to sleep. <laughs> but I have to sleep. Yeah, right. So Turn your head when it's bathroom what... time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> avert night. your eyes, spirit. Yeah, I'm avert peeing. your eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I certainly saw some sights in there. I don't know. <laughs> so one night I was laying on the bed. I was listening to music. I was falling asleep. Uh, uh, there was only me in the house. I was laying down. Um, something grabbed me by the throat, lifted me off the bed, uh, and then I was obviously wide awake in a state of shock, and whatever it was punched me in the back, and that was it. That wow. was, I say that was a minor experience. Yeah, wow. That, that's, that's kind of a big that's deal. And your mom went running down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that was it. And I turned all the lights on, and uh, and and uh, and I think I went back to my my mum's for wow. about a week. I was I gonna say, sleep. did you move out right afterwards? Uh, we moved out not long afterwards. Yeah, uh, yeah. If that happened yeah. to me. There'd be a trail of urine as I ran away. <laughs> that's, that, that's yeah, that's terrifying. Wow. That, 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 that would and, be. and it's one of those, you know, because I was half asleep, and when I, and I thought to myself, did that actually happen? And, I, and I'm thinking, yeah, it did. Mm -hmm. You know, when you just know something happened, and, and you, you weren't asleep. I just, it was like we're talking about here, realities. Mm -hmm. it, it was, it was a version of reality that was true to me. It like it felt sincere, and mm -hmm. yeah. So that's yeah. mine. Well, we got a cool email coming into us. This is from. Ted from Washington, D.C., he is a private investigator. And he has is curious of whether any of you guys have called this. If you have any info on this case, please call the, the, the number on the website. Have any of you guys attempted that? Yeah, we actually called it on one of our shows. On the show, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. What, and, what was, yeah. well, who was on the other end? A thought um, board? A voicemail. It was a, yeah, it was a voicemail message. It sounded kind of robotic almost like with the the speech to or text-to-speech kind of program you'd see on your computer something like that just asking uh if you know anything please leave a message essentially interesting and then he goes on his email here to say every county has to keep death records dating back 50 years 
you may have to go to the county seat coroner's office to get okay. any information on her death. The okay, city's the... well, he keeps going here. Come on, man, wrap it up. <laughs> cities you know, generally do not city, cities do that. not generally of that size generally keep house death records at city hall. So there you go. Well, May, thank you for that. You yeah. and he's an investigator from D.C., so no messing with him. Yeah, don't mess right. with him. But, <laughs> I would uh, say by all means investigate this. He, he probably has his own TV show. Yeah, okay, <laughs> no, I'm going to email him back, and I'm going to see whether he'll donate some time. It's a really interesting case. And as the guy said earlier, because I looked into this, too. You know, I was poking around when I was writing that article, and I thought the whole, wow, you know, I love investigating. I'm an investigative guy. You are. You're like and Kojak. the closer you get to the center of Without it, the, sucker. the more details <laughs> there are, right? And the more compact it is. But as it, you go outward, it gets more and more diffuse, and it gets harder and harder to pin things down. It's one of those you kinds You sound like Mulder right now. You sound a lot like Mulder. Well, as we have discussed, <laughs> Speaking of, other man. than the hair, he and I don't look that much Oh, boy. <laughs> there is a paranormal investigator on the site, and I think she... And we are similar ages as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, now, that, that's very interesting that you... And put... I'm married to a woman named Scully. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, no, but that's me, not true. But my wife is about her age, so it's weird. That is odd. You guys have so much in common, you and Dana. You should give him a call. Do some coffee. I, 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 you know. I, I want, I want the Molder. I want to call Molder. Oh, you want to call Molder? California. Oh, okay. Guy. Well, I won't want that guy either. Have that you guys guy. seen the new X Files? Oh, yes. Yeah, speaking of, did yeah. you watch? Did you watch it. Monday's episode? Yes. It was, it was a No, I, I didn't. It was a thought I, I, I have <laughs> not had a chance to watch Mondays, but I will They're catch everywhere. it on Hulu. But, <laughs> now, uh, now, explain this to me, because I thought, why would there need to be that clay entity? You know, why did he have to make it out of that's clay? That's a golem. That's a classic golem. Exactly. Right I was thinking, that's what my wife said. She said, oh. that's a golem. That's not a thought form. No, that's a, yeah, but they were calling it a tulpa. They were. Mm. They made, really made a hash of that uh, that explanation. I thought. The, yeah. I thought. I thought. The, uh, it, it. It was just a cheap payoff, just for some spooky monster they wanted to create. It was kind yeah. of a hodgepodge. It uh, was. The, it really was. Theoretically, but it was still a great episode. It was. Yeah, I'm. I'm so happy the X Files is back. It's great. Yeah. It, it really. And and, and you know, it's only six episodes. We've already seen four, so we're not going to get too much farther this time around. But I think they've already said they're definitely bringing it back. Now, I, I'm, I'm quizzing. It's not a quiz. It's curiosity. <laughs> I, in my mind, and part of it, like I said, I really am pretty close to David Duchovny's age, so that makes it probably easier for me. But have you sensed thus far in these four episodes, it doesn't just apply to him, it applies to her too, an overarching theme. And I'm not talking about a plot kind of thing. I'm talking about something that transcends... And it's something you kind of piece together from moments throughout all four episodes that have aired so far. Anything coming to mind? I'm, I'm sort of putting you on the spot here. Well, regarding Mulder and his, his kind of uh, his come to Jesus moment where he's kind of lost his faith a little bit and he's questioning things. Is, is this what you're talking about? Very close to that. What, what I am seeing is both of those characters are going through midlife crises. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, there you go. 
And she, in particular, is a classic sandwich generation, even though she <laughs> hasn't had her child since, I guess, he was born. But, you know, her mother just died, right? So she's having to deal with that, having to deal with the older parent, and then you're also still ha have children who are young enough that you are responsible for them. So it's the sandwich generation, and that's people in their, you know, 40s, 50s, even 60s, you know, with, with parents living so much longer, uh, people living so much longer than they used to. You know, it's not unusual now, people getting into the late, late 80s, 90s. And so, you know, even people in their 60s who, who may have, who have grandchildren of their own can still have kids, uh, you know, who, who aren't fully grown yet and, and have parents that they're having to take care of. And it's tough. You know, it's, it's kind of what's going on with the, at least the younger end of, of baby boomers now. And, um, and uh, I guess Gen X, right? Um, and so, uh, anyway, I, I noticed with both of those characters, kind of their most indelible, their most emotionally naked and revealing and intense moments all really revolve around some form of midlife crisis. And like you said, Martin, kind of a loss of faith, uh, you know, come to Jesus moment. Is, is this real? I still want it to be, but I don't know. So are you saying that Mulder is only uh, about a heartbeat away from getting a Corvette and a blonde with fake boobs? Oh, that happened long ago. But yeah, he's going to do it again. It's called Californication. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's interesting what they're doing with Mulder, though, because they really are like, I think they're going to do a switch. I think the Mulder and Scully, he's going to become the skeptic. Uh, 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 and, and she's going to be the believer. I think that's what's going to end up where this is going. Well, that's interesting, because there's another theory um, when you approach their character, especially you know if you take in the whole... The whole previous, uh, whatever it was, nine seasons, although Mulder wasn't around for the end. Uh, but uh, kind of exactly what you said, but that has already been in place given when it comes to matters of faith and religion, right. then Scully is the believer and Mulder is the skeptic. But when it comes to the paranormal, broadly speaking... Um, you know, of course, the roles are reversed. So are they going to re-reverse? Because now we know that Scully has alien DNA. Exactly. Yeah. I think he's going to become the more regular. Do you know what I mean? Oh. I think she, she's going to go out there, I think so. And he's going to have to watch her and then follow her. And, Mark, and, that was yeah. a fascinating experience. We would love to hear if your two cohorts have had any paranormal experiences of their own yeah go for it i i have not um would you like this, one I, I wouldn't mind it <laughs> <laughs> have some life experience to go along with this film and yeah, mine was uh i mean i grew up in a house in san antonio that was uh all of us siblings we all kind of felt there was something present um I know that's kind of weird there's we just had a lot of different moments separately where they were very similar um, from walking down, we had a, this really long hallway at the top of our stairs and the light was often burnt out. And so we just had to walk down this long black hallway. And it was so funny because, you know, as a kid, we used to watch horror movies. I don't know why our parents let us do that, but, um, uh, we essentially kind of would dabble around with the Ouija board. Like we, oh, we had this oh, closet upstairs gosh. and I know it's weird to think about, man, but at the oh, same man, time, oh, man. Dealing that Ouija board. That's the <laughs> devil <know>. board. Confessions. <laughs> <laughs> Confessions yeah. of a former Ouija board user. Yeah. Well, it's just the pure curiosity. You know, as a kid, 
you know, I don't think there was a lot of information, at least tangible for us, like the internet now exists. And so I think a kid now is maybe you could look up stories about the Ouija board really easily and go, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with this. But as a kid, it was very intriguing to, to play around with. And I do feel like, um, like my mom and younger sister, they had this situation where my mom was brushing her hair in the bathroom and my mom, uh, kind of looked over at her bedroom and then just kind of kept brushing my sister's hair. And my sister was like, did you see that? And my mom was like, yeah, what was that? And they said they saw just this, it looked like a human shadow just walking into the room, but they just, you know, went business as usual, which I was like, are you kidding me? You didn't leave the house. What are you doing? But, um, yeah, I, I, I've never had any personal, like, you know, ghost punch me in the back, wake me up rudely like that. That's yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of a rude ghost right there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's funny though because that one it waited and waited. I was there about a year until it until it struck. Yeah, you you must have made him mad somehow. You probably, yeah. probably it's probably when you went and peed and you said, "Don't look." <laughs> it made him really mad. I thought we were soulmates, and it got <laughs> mad. But no, I mean paranormal experiences. A lot of people have. A lot of people have them. Don't even realize they have had. What them. about you two gentlemen? Oh boy, I mean, has, has anybody asked you that? <laughs> you, you know, after twenty three years of being a paranormal investigator, I I maybe have had a couple. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so what's the, what's the, what's the one that, that hits home? The one that's personal. You know what? My first one when I was, I was in my early twenties and real early, maybe even not even now, maybe 19. And we, uh, some friends and I, and we had rented a, a home in Texas, uh, down by, uh, but, but down by the Mexican border it was, uh, way down there. And it, and it was, uh, really, what it ended up being was it was originally an infirmary for during the Texas uh, Mexican War, oh, and a wow. lot of people had been gone through there and they were killed and people were I mean just bad I mean as far as a haunted house tale goes because I grew up in a haunted house just like anyone else, but this one was weird because it was you would hear stomping in the middle of the night and people talking like they were just right there and just weird feelings and. And really, quite honestly, when when experiences like that happen to you, whether you hear people walking, whether you hear people talking, and you have nothing to do with it, I mean, you're just there as an observer, it really shakes you to the core, just, just like your experience being punched. Oh, my God, it's so profound at the moment that it just shakes who you are a lot of ways. Oh, because now you've got to believe in something bigger than what you thought was there. Absolutely. Oh my God. Now, whoa, what was that? Shit. Oh, excuse my language. <laughs> but crap. It's almost even the thought of saying, why would I create this and do this to myself? Like, that is terrifying, you know? Why would I want to wake myself up in the middle of the well, night? Exactly, right. exactly. And then, like, as an investigator, you got so many call- calls of people going, basically, they just want to be reassured that they're not nuts. Right, right. You, you know, tell me I'm not crazy. Tell me this is really going on, and it's it's part investigator, part mental therapist. Yeah, uh, I mean, right. really, but yeah, I mean, everyone's experience is different. I guarantee, if you really think hard, most of us, in some way, small or big, have had that one experience you cannot explain. Yeah, I definitely have, for you, sure. You know, but uh, yeah, Eric, I know he's had tons of them. We we're just talking about one top of the show. Well, I've had I've had several, and I have had uh, you know it's not an ongoing thing, and and it's definitely something that I believe subconsciously I sort of pushed aside and eliminated from my life for a long, long time. 
like some decades because I really did have some very deep and profound experiences when I was young in my teens and, and very early 20s. And I think I got to a point where I said, and this is purely in retrospect and subconsciously, I said, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I, I was getting married. I got married right out of college, had kids pretty soon after that. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be an adult and uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm starting this business and I'm in the real world and I'm very serious and I don't want to be distracted by this stuff. Now, that is partly self-serving because a real key element is it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> it, it really was frightening. And part yeah. of the fear had a religious aspect too, you know, right. when, when you're young, especially, and, and, you know, of course, depending on the church you're in, but, you know, you're told, uh, these things are the, these are demons, you know, yeah. and, uh, the, there's no such thing as ghosts in most churches. It's, these are demons. And if there's anything out there, it is evil. And so I didn't want to deal with that. And, and I didn't know, I didn't have a framework. I didn't have a a mental sure. framework to put uh, any of this into that from a more neutral kind of paranormal standpoint rather than a religious standpoint. So I think kind of all for all of these reasons, I pushed it aside. And I, I only really returned to being kind of open to such things just in the last several years. And um, but uh, as I was hearing kind of everyone say, and, and, and certainly Joel just did, for me, ultimately, the, the most profound part is what are the implications? If any one experience that any one human has ever had with the paranormal is real, and my goodness, the statistics would seem to imply <laughs> that at least one of them was real, and I feel yeah. very strongly that at least, you know, one of mine was real, that's for sure, sure feels real, then the implications are, are staggering. There oh, really is this entire world beyond what we know and exactly. beyond what we can experience. Worldview shaking, man. Definitely. So now we're interested in what you said about religion and how the church doesn't really recognize it. Well, uh, recognize the supernatural, uh, recognize exa ghosts. Exactly. Is, that, is that true? I don't really know. I'm well, not... no. It depends on yeah, the church. It really does. It does. Right. But we only got one minute left of the show. We got to get out of here. So give everyone again where they can find the Kickstarter. Kickstart, Kickstart, Kickstart. Donate, donate, donate. Yes, yeah, give lots of <laughs> Check it and all out. And Hydeair.com. Yeah. Yeah, I may be listening to more of your shows. I found it very, very interesting. So go to Hydeair.com and go to Thoughtform. Over there In only a few days, guys. We, we got to hit that. They're only going for 10000 do it. Any, Pay any donation out. of any size will be helpful. They're giving exactly. away cool participatory stuff. Get the on it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, guys, thanks again for coming on After Hours AM. I would like to thank everyone for listening, of course, on behalf of myself and Mr. Eric Olson, a.k.a. Mulder. Remember, take care of each other, love each other, and stay away from them dang thought forms. Until next time, see ya. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Hydair Pod. Get your ass online because uh, Hydair.com misses you.